Don't you love uh, being part of a church where teenagers lead us in communion, lead us in prayers, and we have uh, scripture readers with bodyguards from the FBI? <laughs> nice. You, you have a lot of enthusiasm. Chris works with the FBI, right? So we're all safe this morning, too, so that's cool. So help me out, okay? Here's what we're going to do. Open up your program guide, and uh, I want you to look at what's there. I'll be making reference to this a little bit later in the message, but there are four snippets from four of the readings that have been prescribed for the weekend. All over the world today, those four passages of Scripture are being read in churches. It's from the lectionary uh, for the third Sunday of Advent. Now, if you look down below, there are four takeaways, and I want to tell you what the takeaways are very quick, and I want you to write them down. Write down, number one, takeaway number one, open our eyes. Open our eyes. Love came down to open our eyes. Second takeaway, write down this phrase, the real, the real God. The real God. Love came down to show us the real God. The third takeaway is this life too. This life too. And takeaway number four, answer, answer their prayers. This morning we, we heard a really beautiful passage of Scripture uh, from Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35, uh, for me personally, uh, is one of the most beautiful, powerful, hope-filled words found in the prophet Isaiah. He's writing to people who find themselves in deserts, in wastelands, in the wilderness. He's writing the word to people who feel like there's no hope for the future, writing for people who are in a place they never expected to be and don't want to be. You ever been in a place you didn't want to be or didn't expect to be? You ever been in a place where you just feel like there's no hope for you, that there are no options available? This is just where I am. This is what my life is going to be. Here I am. Nothing's going to change. That's who he was writing to. People who were living in places where it felt like life had come to an end for them and there was no hope. And it's really beautiful. The words are... Beautiful, because he says, in the wilderness, God is going to do something surprising and amazing. He says, in the wilderness, the people who are living in the wilderness are going to be glad they're in the wilderness. God's going to do something so remarkable that people are going to actually be glad that they found themselves in this barren place. Because in the wilderness, 
in the wasteland, flowers are going to grow. And not just flowers, but there's going to be an abundance of life. In an unexpected place, you're going to hear the noise of singing and joy. And those deserts where people are living are going to become green and, and filled with life. And then Isaiah makes this really beautiful statement. He said, in a place where no one expects God to be. God is going to show up in such a way that he will reveal his splendor and his glory in the middle of an unexpected place. So then he says this. So tell everyone living in the desert, in that place of no hope, Say this to them. Speak to the people who have hands that are tired from wringing them with worry and fear. Speak this word to people whose knees are weak because they're carrying heavy loads. Speak to fearful people. Say to them, be strong. Don't be afraid. For your God is coming to you in the desert. God has not left you alone. God is coming to you to fight your battles for you. And he says the result will be is that ears will be opened and blind people will see. There will be, the lame will be leaping. And he says that what God is going to do when God shows up in the desert is God's going to build a highway out of the desert to a new land, to a new place. And what you thought was an ending is just the beginning of something new. Who was he writing to? Well, he was writing to the people of God after an horrific event had taken place around six centuries before the birth of Jesus. The Babylonian Empire had become very strong. And the king of Babylon took his armies and his forces to Jerusalem, to the city of David, to the city of God, and destroyed everything in its path. When the Babylonian army was finished, nothing was standing. Not one stone left upon another. Everything had been burned to the ground. And what once was a beautiful place, which offered a vision of God, was now just smoking ruins and wasteland and desert. And those who were still living, the best and the brightest, were taken to live in exile, taken back to Babylon, where they lived as slaves Everything stripped, no hope, no life, a wasteland, a desert. That's who he was writing to. And he was saying to them, oh, oh yes, yes, things are hard now. I can see it. But you need to know that God is going to come. And God is going to come and take you back to Zion. And he's going to meet you where you are. He will meet you where you are. And he is going to return you to Zion. And he's going to build a pathway through the wilderness to a new life for you. You know, this morning, I, I want you to know that if you're living in a wasteland, 
If you're living in a desert, if you're living in some wilderness of your own, you need to know that God is coming to meet you where you are. These words are not only true for the people of God, they're also true for you. Because I'm guessing that some of you today know about wastelands. Some of you know about deserts. I mean, some of you today find yourself in a position where I can't see any light. There's no light. I never expected to be here. I don't want to be here. And I have no imagination how anything could be any different than it is right now. Thinking of the woman who's been married to the same man for 40 years. And then one day the man goes to the grocery store, but he doesn't come home. He gets lost. He's been driving back and forth from that store every day for 40 years. Now he can't find his way home and he doesn't know where he is. And she finds out that it's the beginning of a long journey into dementia. And suddenly she loses her life partner and she goes from being a spouse to a caregiver. And she finds herself in a place she's never been before. She finds herself in a desert and without hope. I'm thinking about some of you here today. Some of you are working jobs that are meeting the bills or paying the bills, but it's pretty unfulfilling. And you would like to have a job that pays the bills and is fulfilling, but you can't do anything right now about it. You got three kids. And those three kids are going to college. So you just do what your mother and father did. You just get up every day and go to work and do what you're supposed to do, even if the work's not a great place to be because you've got to take care of your kids. And that someday out there in the future when you can do what you want to do, that someday feels like it's never going to come. And some of you wake up every day and go into work to a job that just feels like a desert. And then there are some sitting across the table from them every day at dinner is a stranger. They've been married a long time, but now it's a cold war across the kitchen table. Anytime they try to work on their problems, the small thing becomes like pulling a thread. And then before long, they can't even talk anymore because one hurt leads to another hurt that leads to another hurt. And there's so much hurt and so much misunderstanding that it looks like there's no hope for them at all. They can't even talk anymore. And they both already know what each other knows, but they're just unwilling to speak the truth. That's a, a wasteland. What the scripture says is that if you will just open your eyes, that the love comes down, love comes down and opens our eyes. Love comes down and opens our eyes that even in the wilderness, if we'll look, we'll see where God can be. God meets you where you are. You're not alone. 
And so maybe you're in the wilderness for the couple that it's a cold water across the kitchen table. What that means is you reach out and you hold hands with one another and you say, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. I don't know how we're going to find ourselves in a new spot. I see no hope for a new future, but I'm just open to what God can do. If there's a God who comes down and puts water in deserts, maybe he can put water in our desert. Maybe the word to you is if you're in a job that's unfulfilling, maybe God can cause some flowers to bloom where you are in your job right now when you see nothing but death and unhappiness. And maybe even in the midst of becoming a caregiver for someone who was once your lover, maybe you can find life. Because what Isaiah is saying in this passage is that God meets us where we are, shows up in the desert places, and that God does his best work in the desert. Whatever your desert may be. You know, yesterday um, morning, it was cold yesterday morning. It was 18 degrees. And early in the morning, I was reading through 1 Peter one three, and I just got a Christmas gift came early. First Peter one three says, and and this is the Dave Emery translation. Okay, so this is my translation of First Peter one three. It basically says, love came down in Jesus. That all that we hear about in the prophets of Isaiah, love came down in Jesus to open our eyes, to see that no situation is hopeless. And that when love comes down in Jesus, it means that you and I, we can be born again. That when we welcome his love into our life, we can become new people. And because of the love of God, how it meets us where we are, it it means that we can now live with expectation. What a great word, expectation. I I was so excited about that. And uh, a friend of mine, we we do a run, we run together every Saturday morning and we were running and we were talking about all kinds of things, and I was talking about that. And we were over by the U of L campus, and we were running down there, and there was a coffee shop, and we had to get a drink of water. And so we ran in there, and I looked like a wild man. Um, you know, I had stuff frozen all over my face. Lips were chapped. Are talking like this because you can't talk when your face is frozen. I had on Peter Pan tights. And... <laughs> There was, this, there was this guy sitting there with his Bible open on the table and with another guy in front of him. And uh, I, I walked over to him after I got my water. I went up to the table and I said, you don't know me. I'm not a creepy old guy. But did you know that you can be born again and that means you can live with expectation? Because love came down. And they looked at me and said, oh, okay, thank you. And then I left. We ran. <laughs> You're in the desert. Let love open your eyes to see what can happen where you are. But let me now move on to the next part. I don't want you to just stop there because there's a second thing that you need to hear in this passage this morning. And, and it's this, is that not only does God meet you where you are, but God wants you to meet him where he is. Because we tend, we tend to live in a bubble. We tend to think that God only lives where we are. And many of us, we have a vision of ourselves and our circumstances, but we don't have a vision of God. 
I call it soundbite theology. You know what a soundbite is? A soundbite is like a short one and a half minute clip that attempts in a minute and a half to compress a complex idea and, and to give it to you in a short clip because we have such short attention spans. And so we tend to treat God that way. We tend to take the Bible, which is a complex, beautiful book written over a thousand years, and we tend to want to reduce it into a bumper sticker cliche or into a 20-minute sermon. And so because we just don't read anymore, people don't read the way they used to, we think with a shorter attention span, we don't get the full picture of who God is. And so you maybe come to church once a month or maybe every couple of months or maybe three times a month. You hear a sermon on one small passage. And so we only look at things from our point of view and our perspective. But this morning what I want you to do is I want you to realize that the wasteland that we're talking about in the desert is bigger than your wasteland. And that not only do you need to know that God wants to meet you where you are, you need to reach up to where God is to get a bigger picture of who God is and let Scripture tell you and share with you a fuller picture of God and what God cares about. So let's just take a moment and now meet God where God is. We know God met us where we are. Let's meet God where God is. So this is what's interesting. Look at these four passages side by side. I didn't pick them. They were selected for churches all over the world today. People have been reading them for a long time in the third Sunday of Advent. And look at what is laid out side by side if you take the primary concern from each of these passages. So in Isaiah it says, And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind. He will unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those cannot speak will sing for joy. Who is he talking about? He's talking about people who can't speak for themselves. He's talking about people who are living under the power of another people. He's talking about people who have been the victim of violence. He's talking about people who have no rights, no power, no hope because the power and the hope is out of their hands. He's talking to refugees, to exiles. Now, the second thing is there's always in the lectionary reading, there's always a psalm, and this is the psalm, Psalm 146. I want you to read what it says. He gives justice to the oppressed, food to the hungry. He's not talking about spiritual hunger, he's talking about physical hunger. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down, weighed down by their circumstances and the places where they live. The Lord loves the godly. And the Lord protects the foreigners who live among us. He cares for the orphans and the widows, and he frustrates the plans of the wicked. Then you slide right over and you read the next passage. This is the other passage from Matthew. And this is a little unusual. I couldn't figure out why would they pick this passage for the lectionary at Christmas. Because this is about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is in jail. And he's doing what you do when you find yourself in a circumstance. He didn't expect to be in jail. Expected to be in jail. 
When you find yourself in a position of exile and you find yourself being threatened, what do you do? Then your faith becomes real. And what happens? Is it true? Are you really Jesus? You know, somebody was so confident, all of a sudden lost his confidence. That's what happens when we find ourselves in a hard circumstance. We lose our confidence. So he says, he sends messengers to Jesus and he says, Jesus, are you who we're waiting on? Are we, or should we look for somebody else? And then Jesus sends the messengers back and what does he say? Go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, and those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to who? The poor. You see, Jesus' love come down. He entered the wasteland and the wilderness of people's lives and entered and was involved with people who couldn't speak for themselves. And then it's interesting, this last verse from the lectionary is from the story of Mary. Mary hears that she's going to give birth to the Savior of the world. She's an unimportant person, an ordinary person, a teenager. And after she learns this news, it's interesting, she, she sings a song. She sings a song, it's, we call it the Magnificat. I don't really know what that means, maybe you can tell me. I think it means it's magnificent. But... She says this, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones, and he's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble, and he fills the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. When you read these side by side, we have to realize and understand that not only do we have, does God want to meet us where we are, but if we want to meet God, we've got to meet God where God is. Where is God at work in our world? Among those who can't speak for themselves. Among those who have no opportunities. Among the foreigner, among the stranger, among the poor. Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. This is the area of God's concern. And the world, the world... The world, all the world, is God's concern. So when love comes down to open our eyes to our opportunities to see him and to meet him where we are in our desert places, we also need to have God open our eyes to God's wider concerns for the world and for the people that are around us. And I think this is a very important, very important corrective. We who have what we need tend to spiritualize salvation. We only talk about salvation in terms of what happens when we leave this life. It's a very narrow point of view, and it's not, it's only recent that people think this way. The biblical point of view about salvation is that when, when the Bible talks about salvation, and when you read the whole scope of it, Salvation involves this life too and the next life. It concerns every part of life, not just your souls, but your physical bodies. Not just people too, but all of creation. The whole earth and everything in it is God's area of concern. So when it talks about the redemption of the world, it talks about people's physical circumstances. It talks about the created world and everything in it. 
and that God is working to make things right. So let me say this. So when you hear, when you hear a teenager takes a gun and shoots another teenager, that's just terrible. We know that. But why does that happen? If you grew up in a circumstance where all you saw around you was violence, you didn't have a stable family situation, a lot of the men in your life had been locked up and in jail, you had no opportunities, there was no jobs, and then when you went to school, you were told that you were worthless because you couldn't read and you didn't get the same opportunities as other kids to learn how to read because you were dyslexic. What do you do when you have no hope? When you feel like a castaway? So oftentimes what happens then is people in our circumstance, we are so well-meaning and we're so generous, we go down to the mall and we buy a little ornament on a tree and we buy an angel from the angel tree and we give children toys that don't have them. That's wonderful. But they don't need toys. They need hope. They need people who help work on circumstances that can improve situations where people who are growing up have opportunities, same opportunities that your children and my children have. Why did, why did Eddie Irvin... I baptize Eddie Irvin. George, raise your hand. My brother George's, our brother George's brother, Eddie Irvin. Why did on November 30th that Eddie walk down to the Second Street Bridge from his home, climb on the rail, and leap to the water below? And take his life. Eddie had been struggling for a long, long time with mental struggles and with addictions. And he was found himself in a place where there was no hope. That's what you, when you're in the desert, when you're in the desert and you have no hope and you don't see any hope at all, what do you do? You climb on bridges and you leap into the water, you pick up a gun. Part of what it means to be the people of God, then, is, is not just baptizing people, but entering into their circumstance and finding out, why are so many of the men down at the St. John Center where we take the, why are they there? Why are they homeless? So instead of just giving them what we think they need, addressing the thing that creates the need. I don't think that God wants the church to be charitable. I think God wants the church to be involved in changing the situations that cause the need for charity. Charity robs people of dignity. So when we meet God where God is, what does that mean? We meet God and work with people in the world that are working to be concerned about the places where people live and 
to go there and to be an answer to their prayers. And here's the thing. When we answer their prayers, our prayers get answered. Because if we're, if we're lonely and afraid and we're empty and unfulfilled, the key to our fulfillment is to being a part of the fulfillment of another person. I'm really proud of my mother. When my mother lost her husband, my father, to death, like a lot of widows, she was hopeless and in a desert. I told her yesterday on the phone, I talked to her, and I said, I'm so proud of you, Mom. I'm so proud of you because you you didn't just stay at home and die. You, you, you went out and you've done something. And almost immediately after my father's death, I said, the answer to your prayers is to be the answer to another person's prayers. Is to be involved in people's lives and to care about people. And so, you know, that's what we do. When we go down to the learning center and we tutor kids, we're not just giving them toys, we're giving them a future. When we go down to St. John's Center this next week, our church goes down to the St. John's Center and many of the men down there that are homeless, you know, we're providing a service. But you know what we're doing? We're really helping the St. John's Center. We're helping the St. John's Center do their work because the St. John's Center is committed to eradicating homeless, homelessness. And the social workers there are trying to find places for people to live. That's what I mean. That's how we be an answer to their prayers. This is the word. The word is relentless. Relentless. When I read the scripture from the beginning to the end, God is just absolutely relentless. Relentless, relentless, relentless. He does not give up on the world or creation. No matter how disobedient we've been, how wayward, how, how we've walked away and we have sinned against God and against one another, how we hurt each other, how we destroy his creation, how we abuse him, how we worship other gods, he just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming with relentless, radical, unconditional compassion and love for every person on this earth. And then you know what he did? Love came down and became a human being. And that human being gathered a people around him and he called it the church. And now his presence, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is in the church. The church worldwide and this church and he wants us to open our eyes, open our eyes to what he can do when we just keep bringing that relentless, compassionate, unconditional love to the world. And when we do, we will see flowers bloom in deserted places.